On this episode of A State of Control, we talk about how do you evaluate different approaches to control? How much is the client influential on that decision? What are some of the other factors to consider? And what's the best fit for the right situation or right solution? All that and more on A State of Control. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. A State of Control. A State of Control, Episode 85, The Right to Get Smarter. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Atlas IED, innovative audio solutions for every business environment. Welcome to A State of Control, an AV Nation podcast that highlights the control, programming, and automation aspects of the audiovisual industry. My name is Steve Greenblatt. I'm your host. Thanks for joining us today. So on today's show, we're going to talk a little bit about the different options for control. We all know uh, what control is and the mainstays of control, but there's been a lot of changes and there's been a lot of a lot of new players and a lot of new ways of doing things. So we're going to delve into that a little bit. And with me to discuss that are two returning guests. And before we get to say hello to them, I want to welcome my partner here at Estate of Control. It's none other, none other than Rich Fergosa. How are you, Rich? I'm doing good. Hello, West Coast greetings, obviously. Uh, before our this recording happened, we had some technical li- technical issues that uh, we fixed. So I'm glad that we're all back on board. It was, uh, it was a scary moment for me where I thought I was going to have to host it solo, but I'm glad that you're here. So we're in good hands. So I appreciate you're, that. You're, you're my Captain Scully of this thing. So I'm making sure that you're landing it right. It's pilot co-pilot here in state of control. <laughs> and uh, we wouldn't do it any other way. So hopefully we we've have, have not offended the AV gods and we're uh, so with that I'd like to welcome back one of the returning guests someone we haven't seen in a while so long that he's now with a new company and his name is Dave Hatz and he's with Room Ready. Welcome back Dave. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Thanks for being here. And then we have a returning guest and he's a little newer and we're glad to have him back and he his name is Jeff Perkins and he's from Electroacoustics. Welcome back Jeff. Howdy from Texas. Thanks for being here. So, uh, as I mentioned, we're we've seen the big players in control throughout the years. We all know them. We all know uh, they they've dominated the landscape. And and control used to be a very isolated part of a project where a manufacturer really specialized in control. That was the part they did, and they collaborated with other manufacturers. And there, everybody kind of stayed in their in their verticals or their product offerings and. These days, those lanes have blurred a bit, and people and many manufacturers have widened their their product portfolios, and they've gotten into new technologies. and And we've seen more products now with different options, including control. And so, there's a lot more ways that you could accomplish providing a uh, user experience and a front end, and and also. Uh, when it comes to actually the implementing how programming or configuration gets done. So, Rich, when uh, we, we talk about this a little bit, you and I have, you know, have a long history in, in working with the big guys, and now we're, we're seeing the, these new 
uh, products come on the scene. Um, what, what's the motivation there and, and what, what should we be thinking about as we're seeing more options to be able to accomplish control and should we, we be thinking about approaching projects a little bit differently? Yeah, and, and you know, it's the technology has changed. Uh, you know, 25 years ago, uh, somebody bringing their own laptop in or their own BYOD. I mean, BYOD was, was not a concept. Um, you had dedicated conference spaces. You had ISDN lines. You um, were dealing with very, very specific instances of how you would present um, or do uh, any type of telepresence, you know, whether video conferencing, audio conferencing, etc. And now, uh, you know, I mean, two things that have, have completely changed everything that we've seen are mobile and the concept of the huddle space. Uh, so... All of a sudden, when you've got the ability to very quickly um, collaborate with people either in or out of office, you know, it's not the entire process of scheduling out a room and making sure that uh, you take care of all of the technical snafus that go back and forth in terms of communicating between, you know, inner office communication or, or out of office communication. And, and the technology has just created new openings where we don't necessarily need as big or complicated or, or um, extravagant, I guess, would be one way of saying it, of, of, of ways of, of collaborating and, and creating telepresence. And so because of that, um, it allows for the riches and niches, right? You now have the ability to focus on a vertical that literally didn't exist 20 years ago. And so rather than having to deal with, you know, what was for years, the big three, you know, the Trons and the three letter uh, company, um, you now have lots of abilities for players to come in, just like you have in the tech industry. Uh, you have you have the ability to be agile. And so uh, the the fast eat the big. And so that's, I think, what we're seeing now and what we need to embrace. It's tough, though, because from the integration side, uh, because software is eating so much of the hardware world, um, it is requiring integrators and programmers and the companies coming in to be nimble. And it makes the decision-making process tough because we've also seen companies come in and then evaporate just as quickly. So all of a sudden you have to take a look at, well, maybe there's a low cost of entry, but there also may be a larger cost of re-upping. And so with the older systems, because you made such an investment in it, you kind of stuck with it as long as you could. You, you, you squeezed every drop out of it. Um, and with these new ones, much like we're seeing with, like I said, mobile and, and the concept of disposable technology, um, we're creating a whole lot more now in the, uh, the collaboration space. Dave, uh, um, Rich touched on a lot of things that I want to follow up on. One of them, one of the questions that, that I have that enters my mind is that we always used to default to what we knew and what we were comfortable with. And, and, and some of it came down to, hey, I know this language, so this is what I'm going to stick with because I know I can do it. And, and there's, a, there's a learning curve on this other side. And, and as Rich is saying, things are becoming easier and, and there's a lot more options and there, there are lower barriers to entry. So, so what are some of the, the criteria that you start to think about and, and how do you consider different ways uh, of presenting options to your clients? Well, I think as an integrator, one of the values that I really instill in my teams 
is the saying, we reserve the right to get smarter. And it, it's, it's a philosophy that I've always embraced in that just because we've always done it one way doesn't mean that there's not a good reason for us to do it something different. It also means that it doesn't mean we're going to change just for change's sake. So it's sort of the yin and the yang. Um, and to, for me, it always comes down to the value. And it's that can be value to my customer. Am I providing them a, a more appropriate solution? Is it value to our internal team? Meaning we can execute our, our, our roles faster. We can get more work done with less effort, with less headaches. Um, you know, I always joke, I used to have hair before I started programming. So, you know, it's, can, if we can make things easier for our teams, it may be a short-term short bit of pain to learn a new system, a new platform, a new approach, but strategically, is there benefit at the end of that tunnel? Um, and there's also could be benefit to just the the, the facilitating of projects. Um, you know, when you know one of the, the things we look at when we're doing systems is how can we even on the small systems how can we do more of the testing in house before we take their systems to the site, and it's so that we can provide less impact to our end users. We can get in and out quicker, and so. You know, as we start to look at what's the appropriate solutions for our customers, following sort of those guidelines, it helps us see through all of the options and start to narrow it down. Certainly, there's the traditional approaches, the manufacturers, you know, that Richie was referring to back in the old days, and they're very relevant to many cases. At the same time, the new players bring value propositions for specifically for certain you know certain case certain use cases certain types of installations and so it, it becomes a balancing act of i know i'm here i want to get over there is it valuable enough to take that journey um and and in it you know one thing i always caution people is just because you think the short-term costs might be less on a different approach, do your programmers know how to, or do you, the, those configuring, programming, whatever you know terms you want to use, are they up to speed on how to make the solution work the first time? But then also, are your installation teams up to speed on how to commission that and to test it out? And are your support teams up to speed on how to support that? Um, you know, I, I use the example of some of the, the programming languages that we can now choose from. Uh, you know, when you, as you pick your manufacturer, often you can choose based on what language you want to program in as a programmer. Well, if I'm the only one in an organization that knows that language, I've become a single point of failure to my, my firm and ultimately to my customer. So that needs to play into it as well, is we're not just talking about training a programmer. We're talking about training an entire organization to support the chosen platforms or chosen vendors. And so it's all factors that need to be, be weighed in. But as I said at the beginning, you've got to reserve the right to get smarter and to not say, oh, that's so much work. I don't even want to consider it because it's hard. You're, you're cutting yourself short if, if you take that approach. I I. We definitely agree with that, and I and I want Jeff to weigh in on this a little bit. Um, as somebody who 
I know does design, does programming, um, has some say in, in how uh, a system is actually implemented or a solution, let's say, is implemented for a client. Um, is this more of a business decision as to what control solution to choose or is it a technical decision or is it a client decision? And I, I know that that's a complex question. It, it is a complex question and everything Dave said, amen and hallelujah, um, that is absolutely um, the right way to think about it. Um, part of the things that we end up thinking about is um, in crafting a solution that's appropriate to the client and the client's individual goals, um, that often sometimes helps drive which, which uh, solution we end up choosing. Um, for example, um, I mean, Dave's right. It's, uh, we have a preferred platform. Um, we do commercial. Um, that means that uh, there's one that is on every spec. Um, and then there's, you know, it's got its brother that you could choose to uh, substitute for. Um, but more and more, we have uh, another three-letter um, option that is uh, up and coming. And um, that three-letter option ha is, um, in some respects, uh, easier and more friendly to end users. And they want to play under the hood a little bit, which can be a little bit dangerous, but a little bit exciting. Um, and at the end of the day, we try to build the solutions that are right for them. So we don't go into the design process saying it's going to be this or it's going to be that. I mean, we have our preferences. We absolutely have our preferences and we're going to um, choose to do things with this tool or with this tool. Um, but we know how to use these other tools if we have to, these other, these other um, manufacturers. But um, one of the things that's been most interesting recently is we've actually had clients say, Ooh, we really would like this three letter option because, because from their perspective, um, they can go download the designer and they can open it up and they can kind of start looking under the hood. I know I have very mixed feelings about letting other people under the hood and um, you know, how did you, how did you, how did you make that magical thing happen? And it's kind of there to be seen. Um, whereas, you know, in the old days, it's here's your source code. Good luck opening it. Um, <clears throat> it's not the case anymore. The source code's there. It's able to be seen. The magic is a little bit out of the bag. I have very mixed feelings about that. But it's driven by we don't want, you know, sometimes we just want to have an extra mute button. And we know, like, we can go find it and we can drag it and put it on the touchscreen and there it's done. And it's really easy and it's not a whole separate program that you can't access and use. And so the clients want to get their hands in the mud a little bit. And our perspective at the moment is, is great. We'll be there to fix it when you break it because <laughs> you're going to break it. Um, and maybe that's more of the thing is, is, um, it, it makes them feel good. It leaves them feeling a little bit empowered. They know that, that they could at least theoretically, um, add a level to a touch panel. Um, but we think they're probably just going to call because they're going to be like, yeah, we actually, we know we said we want to do this. We actually don't please, 
please come because we broke it. And that that opens the door to probably a, a, a another show when we're talking about how to provide support, <clears throat> excuse me, and and also accommodate because that's a growing trend these days. Is is uh, technology managers and users they they want they want to be in the know and they don't want to feel like they're handcuffed and and how how you support those types of clients. But but um, Rich, uh, I'm going to kind of bring you back into this and. You know, talk about, you know, Dave talked a little bit about how to be, you know, open minded and, and you know, uh, be, be technically curious and and also how to, to not really pigeonhole yourself, you know, from a business standpoint, like for you and I, somebody who is needs to to be kind of have their radar always on and say, OK, where where are the opportunities where what are clients needs or where the demand how, how do you go about being ready for these types of shifts and and know that there's um, that that there may be a, a new uh, a new sheriff in town you know and we we have to be be prepared to to learn a new platform or a new technology. There's reasons why there's racks of stuff behind me. Um, in the resi world, it's you know again it's it's. You know, we always we always felt that, you know, originally we always found that we had the commercial technology would filter down to residential use. And we've talked about this in previous shows. Right. And, and so the kind of the R&D and pushing the envelope started in commercial. And then especially when it came to integration and control systems, and then it would filter down to resi and people would be like, oh, wow, we should use this in house because it's more reliable and X, Y, Z. Uh, and then again, as I've said, with mobile, everything flipped. Um, because the minute that, and I think fortunately, the minute that we put the power in the user's hand, it forced us to listen better because for the longest time we were the experts and we fed them the information that was filtered through our own strengths and weaknesses as the best option for them. So we were deciding what was best for them. Now, <laughs> from a company standpoint, you got to be willing to listen to your client and you have to embrace uh, your client's curiosity and enthusiasm. It makes it tough to run a business because it also is the equivalent of giving a toddler a cappuccino and a puppy. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, like Jeff said, there's, there's, there's a lot of mixed emotions in terms of being excited because you're truly in partnership, right? It's, 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 it's become far more collaborative with our end users now than ever before, at least in my career. Um, it's also a lot more stressful because I also have to continue to come back and, and we were talking to, again, the business owners potentially, but also system designers, project managers, um, you know, it happens to every programmer in the field, right? Where they're sitting around and they're making a change. And next thing you know, a decision maker comes in and they start talking to you, right? And every business owner starts holding their stomach going, don't talk to them. Don't talk to them. Don't talk to them, right? 
<laughs> because all of a sudden, you know, that, that, you know, it becomes this whole show about scope creep, right? It's like here you can define the instances when your project's about to go off the rails, right? And you can make a little training video of like pausing the video, you know, and you hear the and the record scratch, you know, and this is when the project went off the rails. <laughs> and so, um, again, back to it is that it, it's, it's great, it's scary, um, and it is requiring an integrator or anybody in the control systems automation vertical to really focus on their craft. Because if you think you were reading and testing and spending your time before, it is growing exponentially. Because again, with software eating hardware and they'll all of a sudden Google something and somebody comes up or, I mean, I, I mean, I've seen stuff like somebody sent me a tech crunch, um, you know, article and they're like, well, what about this? I'm like, it's three guys who just made this thing, <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, from my resi side and, and as a technology advisor, the first thing that I always explain to my clients is I have one job and that's to protect you from yourself first and foremost. I'm here to keep you from getting yourself into trouble. Now, I may say some things that are unpopular. I still work for you, but it's my responsibility and our professional responsibility to lay it out and say, here's the road you're going to go down. Here's the trouble you're going to run into, but I can't make the decision for you. I can still only advise and then decide you decide how you're going to spend your money. And I'm not going to come back and say, I told you so after the fact, but we are going to revisit why we now have learned the lesson <laughs> of why this might not have been a good choice. And I think that's where Jeff was talking a little bit earlier, which is the, we're going to let you, you know, we're, we're, you know, you're, we're going to let you spread your wings and we're going to let you go, but we're still going to be here to hold you. And it is a very different approach than we have in the past. And I mean, you know, it's, I, I'm glad that as new programmers and a new generation and, and just, uh, you know, new people to the industry come with a fresh perspective um, because they've only known rapid changeover. They've only known rapid growth and and capabilities, right? We, you know, I mean, we, it's easy to get stuck in our ways. I know I'm constantly fighting that of being stuck in my ways. Um, and and so the the big part of this with, with these new systems is that you know, how do you deal with it? When it comes out, you grab one, you know, you get a 30 day license for it. You sit with your team, you know, I mean, it depends. It depends on the size of your, your organization. Do you have people who are UC specialists? Do you have people who are still video specialists? Do you have people who are UX specialists, right? You know, I mean, if you're a smaller shop, um, then, you know, yeah, the burden goes on you more. And then all of a sudden you have to start figuring out, okay, how am I gonna concentrate my resources on this? Because if you're not guaranteed, there is a company that's willing to do it. And you can't just hold on to your client because you've always done it a certain way. And and we're seeing it more and more and people are coming across it faster and faster. I mean, I think it's a big reason why we've seen some of these companies absorbing one another because a bunch of them have figured out, hey, you know, with BYOD, with, you know, DIY, with do it with me, with all of these new acronyms coming in. Um, the way we did it is no longer the way we can do it. So get smart. Uh, I talked about it on another show. 
be exceedingly brutal with your weaknesses and then figure out how to go from there. Dave, I would um, want you to, to share a little bit about, you know, Rich talked about presenting options to your clients. How, how do you go about doing that? Knowing that, you know, you do have some bias, let's say, you know, whether it's um, a, a profit side or whether it's a, it's a knowledge side. Um, is it something that, that is, um, we, we have to look, look at and, and say that we, we need to, we have a responsibility to present these options or do we try to steer them in a direction that we think is, um, suits, suits them and us best? That's a, that's a tough question because we all do have biases. Um, you know, for, for many years, you know, when I'm out programming in the field, someone would, you know, a customer would come up to me ask me and, you know, hey, which do you like better? A or C? That's an age old and question. Absolutely. Age old question. And, and, and it's one that I try to refuse to ever answer. That because and my answer is always, it doesn't matter what I prefer personally. Yes, I have a preference, but that doesn't matter to you. What matters to you is that whatever we settle on, I'm going to make sure that I'm the, the right person to give you the solution that you've asked for and need. It's what's the, what's the end result? What's the use case we're solving for? And so, you know, as, as we go to the discussion early on, you know, how do you make that choice? It's, it's looking at that, that destination. What are we trying to achieve? What products give you features that make it a better solution for you? Whether it's simpler, whether it's boxes that inter or products that integrate together better, or integrate with bespoke devices that are part of your system. It's looking at that, what are we trying to achieve? What are we trying to present from an experience? What are we trying to integrate with to make that experience become real? And once you, you have that in mind, likely it's limited down some of the realm of possible. That's where then you can come in and you can start to present to the customer options. Or you may have customers who don't, they frankly don't care. In that case, well, it's easier to default to one of the options that you're more comfortable with. Let your bias help them because at the end of the day, it's probably the solution that you can better support. You can more quickly deploy. Um, you can deploy with less, you know, with less effort, with less risk of, of we'll call them bugs, you know, like the, the carryover punch list. So that has value. But you can't lead with that. You have to lead with what's the right solution for the customer. If, you know, you know, we put, a, put the, the new era here, there may be cases where one of the newer solutions checks every box that you need. It keeps everything within an ecosystem. And it provides global management of all your devices. And because you don't need additional integration control hardware, the cost might even be more advantageous. Well, if that's, if those boxes are all checked for my customer, I'm doing them a disservice if I come in and say, well, the way we would have done it 20 years ago is this. And so that's what I'm most comfortable with. So I'm just going to propose that. Again, you're, you're, you're doing them a disservice. And so, I think it comes back to that being, you know, being comfortable, but to what Richie said about acknowledging your weaknesses. 
Just because it's a weakness doesn't mean you should shy away from it. Now, that doesn't also doesn't mean go disclose it. That doesn't mean go and you know tell the customer, well, here's the perfect solution for you. I've never done one before, but I think it looks okay. okay that's not what I'm advocating for. But what I'm saying is, if that's the right solution, determine, well, can you learn it? Can you confidently deliver the result? Or as an integrator, do I bring in an outside developer who I know is proficient in that platform for this customer because it's going to be the best path to get them the solution they need? Again, there, there's ways to approach it without, you know, black and white saying, I know it or I don't. We got, again, it goes back to that reserve the right to get smarter. You've got to be able be comfortable with challenging yourself to find new ways, new avenues that really support your customers the way that with their best interest in mind. Uh, Je Jeff, I want to um, get your thoughts on it is, you know, from what Dave said, I, I think that you will, will probably validate many of the, those same things. And it, do, do, do other control solutions maybe provide an opportunity to expand the offerings or possibly uh, may, maybe even give more um, more automation or more more, more uh, technology in more spaces because they can be a little bit low lower priced or more or, or as Dave said you know you're not adding another piece of hardware you're working with something you already have so you might you might you know you, it's almost like having like uh, not not using all the features that that the client already is purchasing. Part of what we think about is um, we have, we've been in business for 37 years, so we have longstanding customers and and many of them are already entrenched in a certain ecosystem. And so we that's fine. We, we, get, we, we installed it and we've supported it and we're gonna continue uh, to support it. Um, uh, we're doing a project right now where they still have a, a DM card frame. We're going to have to keep the DM card frame for a little bit longer. Um, but we know that the next big thing they do is they're gonna they're gonna change over to an NVX system because they're a Crestron house. Um, we have a new client that uh, is very interested in doing all kinds of fun automagical things with uh, with Sure and QSC products, and so. Um, we're doing Sure and QSC with those guys and having a fantastic, really fun time doing automagical things with mics and cameras. And it's enabling them to do uh, distance learning in a whole new way for them. It's fantastic. So when we go to think about these things, it's not, uh, it's not just that we're going to shoehorn them into one, one platform or another. It's what's right for them, and we're going to figure out how to get it done. So in a, some respects, the, the control platform is a little bit agnostic. Um, that being said, um, you know, we do a lot of work with... Crestron is that we have done a lot of work with Crestron as the control system and with, you know, there's several really good DSP manufacturers. And for a long time, it was, we're going to do blue for control and we've got three good options for DSPs. Well, one of these DSP makers have 
they're getting really pretty clever at how to actually provide control. Um, and so, well, we can start to do projects where we can do everything you're wanting to do and we can just have the DSP. And the DSP is already really great at being a DSP and it's getting pretty good at being a control platform as well. It's still maturing. Um, it's still maturing, but oh my goodness, it's a fun, fun, fun sandbox. Well, I think Jeff, one of the things we've seen too is on top of, you know, even just the obvious choices, we've seen cases where, you know, the, the video, video endpoint manufacturers are enabling control natively in some of their, some of their solutions. And we've seen that become, you know, be an area that we can provide a lot of value to our customers in the, in the simpler spaces. But the other thing we've found is there's times where we need to be the trusted advisor to the customer and say that three-way combinable you're trying to do in that manner is a little too much. Yes. If A and B and C and D and E and F and so on all line up, we can really, really restrict your feature set and you could just squeak by. But is that really what you want? Are you really saving, again, right. on the experience and the cost? So there, there's also understanding the, the, the benefits and the limits of, of the options as you're going forward too, where back to the whole thing, the customers need to be educated about this as we're going through it. And so there's, there's a lot of opportunity for us to continue to be that subject matter expert. Right, and as the integrator, uh, I'm the design manager. And so one of the things, one of the real opportunities that I get to have that it sounds like Rich sometimes just, uh, we were joking before the show about the scope of work and what was it today? Um, we get to, because we get brought in on design and then we also get to do the install, we really get to help walk the customer through understanding what is it that you want to do? And then we can start picking what are the right solutions for the things that you want to do and then before I write any code at all, I mean, the thing that I was doing, I was getting out the door before I got on this podcast was um, I lay out, I, I'm responsible for UI and UX at the end of the day, um, whether I'm designing it or programming it, I'm the design manager, I'm responsible. And I'm responsible for what buttons go on the touch panel, where they go, why are they there, how do they work? because I'm trying to think about who's the end user. And so um, now we're, we're kind of, I'm sorry, um, but which platform those buttons go on, that gets settled way back for us because we've gone through the work of interviewing, programming meetings, figuring out what is it that you want to do um, so that we can have a very clear scope of work and that we can deliver what it is you want. Um, and so when we're when we're laying out you know plans and RCPs and making drawing sets and working with GC you know architects and all these kinds of guys, um, that's us uh, trying to make sure that these things land in the right place, and they do what they are supposed to do, and everybody's happy at the end of the day. And one quick thing, I'm just going to add a thirty second point: don't be afraid to charge for it. You know, exactly. a, a big part of this, which is if you know, you're going to be nimble. And if there's going to be new new technologies and everything else, 
don't be afraid to partner with your client and have them subsidize it which is it's okay the answer is yes but like dave said right it's like this is a great solution for you we've never done one before well that's the opportunity to say this looks like a great solution however this is a one-off for us we don't necessarily see this but if you see value in this then we and we i've done this a couple of times where you know they've switched over from um you know uc providers and they've had ideas on how they thought it was going to come together and they went well how about this and we've sat down and said great it's a great idea you're going to reserve one of these conference rooms and this is now going to be your skunk works room so all of these things that you're talking about yeah great idea we wholeheartedly support it and you're going to pay for it <laughs> yeah, the idea of you're going to proof a concept it you're going to pilot it and then you're going to roll it out into your solutions once you have the confidence that it's the right solution for you and we you know we together have worked out how we're going to progress through it, how we're going to support it, and how we're going to, you know, make it usable for you. And I think for a lot of integrators, you know, and again, depending on if it's coming from a consultant spec, you know, they have a different ear, you know, the, they have the client's ear differently. If you're coming from an integrator standpoint, either a new client or an existing client, uh, you know, it, it it's okay, <laughs> you know, to say yes to your client, but also for them to understand that there's a cost associated with yes you're not just you know you're not there to settle whimsy you know where we are we're not looking to operate a not-for-profit status and i think a lot of integrators get really worried about that well if i say no then i'm going to lose the client or they're going to go someplace else well maybe but if they're going if they're leaving you because you're saying here's the reality of what it costs to do this then they're not going to be a good client over the long term to begin with because obviously there is you know at that point you're just a commodity and the whole goal is for integrators and we've talked about this many times is that you have to get over that fear um and and be an expert and be able to say yes this costs money and i think that companies that are successful are the ones who kind of take that big gulp and say okay great and just like you said dave you know again great this is our pilot project you know X amount of hours, we're gonna go through, we're gonna take a look, we're gonna check in, work closely together, and if it works out, well, great, everybody wins. Because then there is, you know, doubling of effort, and we can, our R&D time, well, yeah, I mean, there's there's lots of ways to handle it from the dollars and cents standpoint. But you can't continue to do things for free just because you, you're scared of your client. And the same holds true for programmers. <laughs> so, um, but that's a good place to stop. And I, and I, uh, you know, I think, think a couple of interesting takeaways from this too, is one, you know, I think what we did is reiterated the value of the programmer, because, you know, this is where, you know, we, we talk a lot about is programming going away and what are, what is programmer, um, what is a programmer's role going to be? And I think we talked a lot about maybe being that trusted advisor that seemed to come up a lot. And the second part I thought was very interesting before we wrap up is the influence of the end user client, because I think um, both, both all three of you guys mentioned it and I'm seeing it too, is that they're, the end users have a lot more of a, not only a knowledge, but also an influence on the solution that's being selected. Whereas in the past uh, they were just given the the solution because they 
that, that that's that they were kind of kept in the dark a little bit or at an arm's length. So it's a, just an interesting shift and a, I think a, an observation that I got from this conversation. Um, thank you guys for uh, being part of this. And uh, first, I'd like to thank Dave Hatz from Room Ready. How can people get in touch with you and learn more about Room Ready? So uh, roomready.com um, to find out about Room Ready and sort of the, the uniqueness of, of us as an integrator. Um, I'm on the socials, probably more so on LinkedIn than the Twitters, but uh, just search for me, Dave Hatz, and uh, I'm always happy to have discussion or uh, you know, continue the dialogue here we had going on the call. Very good. Uh, Jeff Perkins from Electroacoustics, thanks for being with us. How can people get in touch with you and learn more about Electroacoustics? We are available on the webpage at www.eavi.com. Uh, I'm also on social at uh, Perkins underscore Jeff, although um, I don't post much these days, but I'm there. Uh, you can be found. Uh, and I'm on Facebook all the time because that's the best place to get tech support these days, apparently. Um. <laughs> you take it where you can get it. Uh, you do. You do. I'm looking towards North Dallas. Anyway, um, <laughs> no worries. Um, that's where you can find me. Very good. Uh, and last but not least, Rich, uh, any uh, final words and how can people get in touch with you and learn more what you're doing? Well, as usual, I mean, I, I think rewind um, if you've watched this show and, and listen a little more closely to some of the things that Jeff was saying. There's a ton of great information in there that he just was kind of nonchalant about it. But if you want to learn how to run a project correctly, key in on some of the details that, that he was talking about. Dave, same thing. Um, you know, he's run successful projects for a reason. He's had a, a, a very illustrious career for a reason. Rewind and listen to these gentlemen. You know, if you want to get better at what you do, don't listen to me because I've made enough mistakes. Um, but if you want to get better at what you do, listen more carefully because there, there's a lot in there that whether you're a programmer, a project manager, a designer, any of these things, but you're in the automation industry, um, there's some keys to success on actually making money on projects, if you listen. Um, if you do want to follow me, go ahead. You can find me on the on the interwebs. Type in my name, um, the Twitters, the Facebooks, etc. Um, you can find the website for ghostedesign.com. But... If I'm lucky, the best place you'll find me will be here at avnation.tv in our suite of shows that cover all of our verticals. Here with my partner, Steve. Um, you can sometimes catch me on Resi Week with Matt Scott. Um, and the best way to show your love to Uncle Richie is support our sponsors. Very good. It couldn't be, couldn't be said any better. And uh, I was actually on Resi Week for the first time recently. So uh, we, you and I are kind of jumping around in, in different shows. And uh, I was... Uh, also had the opportunity to be on the AV profession. So great, great stuff. And, and as Rich said, check out, if you like this show, check out some of the others. Um, there, there are some that are similar. There are some that are different, but what they do is give you a good sense of what's going on in the industry as well as also introduce you to some new people. So um, that's uh, one of the values that AV Nation and the podcast provide. Uh, you could find them at avnation.tv, as Rich said, and check out and send your love to uh, the supporters of the show. For me, uh, you can reach me on social at Steve Greenblatt. Um, be glad to connect with anyone. Uh, try to do a little bit of Sunday morning chat on AV in the AM and Twitter, as well as do uh, LinkedIn posts. So uh, you can check me out there or my company, Control Concepts, at controlconcepts.net. 
Uh, other than that, we are glad for you to join us today, and this has been State of Control.